generating new leads, even if you do generate a lot of inquiries, you need a very good transformation engine to make, to convert them into clients. And that is the much more important part. This is where we really work. And this is the sales part. And this is about sales automation and creating the flow of the conversation up to a close. You're listening to the B2B Growth Think Tank, the show that brings you the virtual hot seat where each week my expert guests and I help another business leader by masterminding actionable solutions to a specific challenge they're currently trying to solve in their business. So if you're looking for answers to a specific challenge that you're facing, that if you could solve in the next 90 days would have a huge impact on your growth, send it in to thinktank at thinklikeafish.co.uk and we'll see if we can feature you on the show. My name is Adam King, your host and the captain of the ship of growth consultancy Think Like a Fish. And if you're ready to rethink what's possible for your business and discover the growth strategies, advice and insight to turn this new vision into a reality, let's get started. Hey, Adam here, and thanks very much for tuning in. And as you are, I'm going to make the assumption that you are responsible for generating revenue for an established B2B professional service business, and you're looking to grow your revenue. So what I've got for you, you're going to absolutely love because I've recently released my new revenue multiplier calculator and bonus training where using this tool and following the training, you'll discover how to uncover the hidden revenue opportunities in your business and be able to systemize your growth using seven revenue multipliers that can double your business in 12 months or less. So if you want to go and grab your copy, go to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash calculator. Now on to today's episode. Hello and welcome to the B2B Growth Think Tank. Joining me today to talk business growth and to help out a fellow business leader on the virtual hot seat is someone who helps business owners in SaaS and services to double their revenue in just 90 days. In fact, he not only helps people do this, he guarantees it. Now, that is one hell of a prospect for anyone hearing this. So I'm hoping that you're as excited as I am because he is the CEO and the founder of Strategy Sprints, which is a global team of certified strategy sprints coaches, which I'm sure when he named his company, didn't expect it to be as uh, difficult for me to say anyway, which offers a customized strategy to help clients gain market share and work in weekly sprints, which results in fast execution. He's also a Forbes Business Council member, a contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine, and a member of Duke Corporate Education and the host of the Strategy Sprints podcast. Now, as I am sure that you're itching to hear from my guest after I uh, talked about the guarantee of doubling revenue in 90 days and to find out exactly how he does it, I'm not going to make you wait any longer because I am just as excited as you are to find out. So I am delighted to welcome my guest, Simon Severino, to the show. Simon, how are you doing? Hello, Adam. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. And I mean, to be honest with you, I want to just dive straight into this because you guarantee to double revenue in 90 days. How can you make such a promise? Everybody asks me this. I am on four podcasts per day and everybody is excited about that. I will tell you right now how we do it and you will see it's not even that hard. So there are three things. If you want to double your revenue, there are three things that you need to do and you can do them with 
with zero budget and you can do them in two to three months. The first one is to increase by 25% the conversion rate of your existing relationships. So you don't need new leads. Existing relationships increase the conversion rate by 25%. And I will give you really nitty gritty step by step uh, tips how, how you can do that mm. right now with zero budget this month. Then the second thing is to increase the price by 25%. That's a little bit harder and it depends if, if you had really so far a scientific is maybe too much, but a structured way of finding your perfect price. Most people do not know how to find the perfect price. So we have a very structured process and we help them find the max price by having a better positioning in the market. So 25% price up is the second thing. And that, that is a little bit harder to do alone, but it's, it's easy to do with the pro. And then the third thing is the frequency. So the, the sales cycle time from awareness to closing, which uh, can be two months or six months, depending on the context. Um, B2B is longer than B2C. If you reduce that sales time by 25%, and now you add these three improvements together, you have a plus 99% in revenue. Now, I mean, that is an incredibly refreshingly simple way to look at how to grow a business. And I think that a lot of us in this game, we will overcomplicate things. So as I say, it's refreshing to hear somebody come up with a way of doing things that is so simplified and it's easy to grasp and easy to understand because it is maths, it is numbers, it is metrics. And I guess that the first thing that you would need to understand is actually where you're starting from. And I'm assuming also that you can't necessarily do this for everyone, there has to be a certain baseline starting position where people are for you to be able to apply this this formula to somebody's business. So what sort of business would benefit most from thinking in this way in your experience? The best results in our program are from um, small teams that are doing around 35K monthly recurring revenue or monthly revenue and they are in business since a couple of years and they are either professional services, consultancies, marketing agencies, um, financial advisors, or they are a SaaS, B2B SaaS business. These are the people that have the best results with us. And um, the way they got to 35K they need to change now the way they get to 70K per month. And they want to double, they, they are ambitious, they want to grow because they either have to grow because they did let investors in and these investors have expectations, or they just want to grow because they know that scaling, that's the fun part of a business actually. So the growing part, it's not really fun. It's a lot of work. It's a hustle. It's the grinding part. The fun part really is the scaling when you, you got some traction and now you eliminate the blockages and usually the founders become now the bottleneck. So you are the blockage. You have to find now 
a more scalable, a better way. You have to fire yourself from fulfillment, from operations, and find a more scalable business model. For example, I, I have fired myself from operations two years ago, and, and now I am two levels above fulfillment, so I don't coach anymore, but I have certified coaches around the globe that do that. And so my work mm. was how to get from Simon is the value generating engine to there is a value generating engine and Simon is the curator of it, is the scaler of it. So mm. I had to do some work around business model and uh, in order to do that, I had to spend some time thinking about a more scalable business model. And then when you get that, then it's fun. Then you see the excitement. What you are seeing right now with Bitcoin, with Ethereum, that's exactly the fun part of a business. When you see the scalability going on, the network mm -hmm. effects, other people adopting it, developers saying, I want to work here. That's the fun part of a business. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm curious to know, um, what were things like for you before you sort of came up with this? I mean, it's an offer, double your revenue in 90 days guaranteed. As So how things were before that, like, the you know, being a consultant, being a coach, somebody that was going out there and trying to drum up business, as opposed to today, where you have that offer and it's very clear in terms of what will happen and you make that risk reversal of a guarantee. What's it been like? It was awful. Like most people, I was working too much. Profit rate was very low on, on each project. And so overall profit margin was low for the amount of work that I was doing. And also I didn't enjoy running my business anymore. It was not even a business. It was a series of jobs. So I would fly into a city, solve their problems, solve the problems of BMW solve the problems of known brands and then fly back home. And I did have solved zero of my own problems. Mm. So I had some revenue, but I had no business going on. It was a series of jobs, well-paid jobs, but I was not happy. It was not scalable. And then we got kids. And I was like, hey, I don't, I don't want to do this this way. There must be a smarter way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and having, uh, having had the previous conversation, we actually have two daughters of exactly the same age. So, uh, yes, we, uh, we, we share that affinity of, um, what life is like in that kind of, um, environment. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sort of demand on your time. It's a demand on, you know, where you want your life to be and all that kind of thing. And I think that, Certainly when we are service providers, when we are working with clients and all that kind of thing, we don't necessarily, we, we spend more time working and serving the client than we do actually thinking about our own business and, and, and all the rest of it. And sometimes that can actually then end up becoming to the detriment of the client as well, because we don't always have a repeatable model. We don't always have the predictability of being able to make the kind of guarantee offer that you make, for example, and that then makes it very, very difficult to differentiate yourself, to stand out in a marketplace. And, you know, often then you're competing on price and all that kind of thing. So has it made things easier in terms of the selling of what you do as well, just having that kind of offer? Yes, you have experienced it at the beginning, how excited you were when you said it, 
So it 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 is easily now it's easy to communicate and uh, people get it and they can tell their friends. Oh, you want to double your revenue? Call Simon. It took me 20 years to get to that sim- simplification. I hope mm-hmm. it's not an oversimplification, but it is a simplification of something complex because behind mm-hmm. that, it's really about the biomimicry of aligning sales, marketing and operations. And that is a complex thing. But I hope that I, I have conveyed it at the beginning in a, in a very simple way, a way that mm-hmm. anybody can understand and feels capable of doing because this is what I want to convey. But it took me 20 years. And now with clients, I just need two to three months to do the same thing for their business. Um, Before I had this, we had scope creep. Every project was a little bit different. Every project was beginning from scratch because it was every project was customized. And so it was like Sisyphus rolling this stone up the hill and the the stone would never roll alone. It took me 20 years to get it right. But I can tell you a story we did a couple months ago when how we coached somebody to do this in two months. They were a branding agency in Europe and they were like us doing very different things from uh, I do your logo, your website and, and your WordPress maintenance and everything in between. So every time a client would come, they would reinvent the wheel. It's hard to sell scope creep. You start with a logo, but then they want website maintenance. Also all these kinds of frictions and clients were discussing about price and can you do this um, faster and a little bit cheaper? Can we do this? Can we do three hours less? which is a very bad sales conversation to have. You don't want to talk about this. You want to talk. You're certainly not in control of the conversation, are you? You are not in control and, uh, and, and you talk about details. This is not important. The important thing of a sales conversation is, do you see me when you talk to me? Do you get me? And can you help me? If you see me, if you get me, and if you can help me, I'm with you. Come on, let's do this. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people can nice. feel like they're order takers and, and that kind of process that you've described, it's, you're kind of an order taker. It's like, yes, sir, I will do that, sir. No problem, sir. Three bags full, sir. It's kind of like that is that sort of process. And it's very hard to stand out and be different if that's the way that you are kind of presenting yourself. It's like, here's the menu of services that we have. What would you like? There's no advisory in there. There's no consultative. There's no diagnostic. There's no prescription. There's no really getting to understand the problem and all that kind of thing, which is what I think a sales conversation really is about. It's not necessarily about making the sale. It's about actually diagnosing the challenge and the root cause of a problem and actually then being able to say, well, based on what we've discovered here, these are the steps that we would suggest. Now, sometimes it might not be with you. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yes. One of our current clients is Anthony Anarino, and he wrote this book, uh, The Lost Art of Closing, that is exactly what you just said in 10 steps, the 10 commitments that you want to achieve in a sales conversation. And he says, uh, sales is not selling, has never been selling. It has always been a consultative process of getting to a better understanding. And this is the only chance you have in B2B. 
They don't know the product. They know. They just know if you get them. Do you get me? Mm. Can I trust you? Can I move on with you? Should I move on with you? Can I commit? Can I commit to change? Can I commit to evaluate? Let's go. I think that as well, a lot of the times when, when it comes to the sales process and the sales conversations, one of the things that I've certainly been guilty of in the past and, and I've had to sort of get rid of myself is you, you, you spend a lot of time almost trying to show how much you know. You kind of go into a lot of detail and it's kind of like you want to show off and show your expertise and all that kind of thing. Whereas actually that is the total opposite of what you should be doing. Because I guess the the real the real sort of idea of, of selling is not to show off how great you are, but it's to show or give an example of how that you totally, totally understand someone and give them an idea or an experience of what it would be like to work with you. They and I think that is care. a way of looking at it. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. First, Eloquently put. <laughs> first, they want, to, they want to really feel that you care, that you're listening, that you're... Uh, yesterday, a client told me that a big consultancy called them and said, yeah, yeah, I have exactly what you need. And then I understand your market so well. And he, he made a couple probing question and realized they have no idea about his market. And so that was a lost sales immediately. A good sales conversation is about really about, do you see me? Do you get my problem? Are you really the, the, the right person to continue our conversation? Should we continue our conversation? Do I commit? to change? Do I commit to reviews? Let's go. That's the sales conversation. And, and to finish the, the uh, agency example, they started with a wide array of, of offers. And so they had the same problem that I had, that every time you have different starting points, scope creep, uh, low profits. And now in the first month, I just asked them, let's pick your favorite client. And describe me, what did you do in week zero, in week one, in week two? And I said, no, it's much too complex. Okay, let's just pick your favorite client. What do you do in week zero? Um, asking them 10 questions. All right, I wrote it down. What do you do in week one? We create a seven seconds video for the hero section of their website. Okay, what do you do in week three? What do you do in week six? We create, we packaged the offer similar to ours. Now their offer is, we tell the story of your business in six weeks, uh, in seven seconds for, so in seven seconds on, on your website, it mm -hmm. takes us six weeks and the price is 15 K. That's now the package. What happens is they have a much simpler conversation right now. Sales is much easier. And in the back end, they can still do many more things if they like the client and if they want to go deeper with them. And yeah. that's 50% of their clients. The yeah. other ones, they just have a very standardized entry point and that has made sales easy, operations easy, hiring easy, onboarding easy. They have even interns doing a lot of activities that were done by the founders a couple months before because now they are streamlined. It's all about yeah. streamlining uh, operations, 
sales and marketing. If you streamline that part, the, the magic will happen. If one yeah. thing is not aligned, it creates friction all the time. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think that um, that's one thing that I think a lot of certainly service professionals and everything sort of struggle with is they want to sell everything. Like it's kind of like, this is my thing that I do. This is, yeah, I know I can really help someone and they'll go in for the whole big shebang, like the big engagement. They'll go for a retainer. They'll go for whatever. And it's like this person that you're talking to is not necessarily at that place yet. So what is that first engagement? Like, what can you do that can give somebody a result and an experience of you, but then sets up the next stage? And I think if you ask those questions to yourself, maybe you'll be able to come up with something else that will make the sales process a little bit easier. It will make everything that you just discussed there easier. The onboarding, the fulfillment, all of the actual work that needs to be done, much more simple. And then it's almost like you get to choose whether or not you continue working with that client based on experience and they do too. And I think that's a fantastic way of looking at it. So I'm sure everybody listening is kind of itching to understand a few of the tactical ideas of, of how you would sort of improve those 25% numbers. So everyone wants more leads. So why do you focus on getting more results from your existing leads? And how do you do that? because it's cheaper and it's immediate so if you want to generate new leads which everybody right now seems to be uh, wanting to do so i get 12 calls per day hey can you help me generate more leads and i usually ask what do you do with these leads and they don't have a good answer so first of all it's expensive and it takes time and effort to generate new leads. So I wouldn't do it as the first option. Second, generating new leads, even if you do generate a lot of inquiries, you need a very good transformation engine to make, to convert them into clients. And that is the much more important part. This is where we really work. And this is the sales part. And this is about sales automation and creating the flow of the conversation up to a close. Now, what's the practical thing? There are a couple very practical things that you can do. First, your current conversations. Let's say you have seven sales conversations scheduled for this week. The first one is sales technique. How do you open that conversation? How do you prepare yourself for this conversation? What's, what happens in the middle of the conversations? What happens at the end of the conversation? You said one very important thing that we, we make mistakes. One mistake, for example, getting excited and telling them how much you know. That's exactly what I always did wrong. I get excited and I say, oh yeah, I did this here in that country. And then I want to tell them about that country. And that's my blind spot. And my colleague Stefan has another blind spot and my colleague Michelle has another blind spot. So what we have found out is that if we record our sales calls and send them to each other and give each other feedback, we increase by 17%, 20, 23% our own conversion rates because we help each other become a better listener. 
and have mm. better conversations. So one thing to do is technique coaching, sales technique coaching, recording every sales call and finding somebody to give you feedback about mm. body language, the words that you use and the silences that you use. It's really important in a sales conversation to have two specific silences and they are very uncomfortable. They need to be trained. And they well, I, I think it was um, uh, funny, uh, Marcus Couchy who introduced us. He told me an interesting stat. He says, what's the average? This is after I told him the average um, amount of time that a, a, a Brit leaves their tea bag in their tea is about eight seconds, which is nuts. You know, I like strong tea anyway. But he then sort of said, do you know the average amount of silence uh, a salesperson is comfortable with on a sales call? And I sort of went, well, three seconds thinking I was going to be smart and get it. He went 0. 0.4. Like that is like that is the amount of time people are actually comfortable with silence when they're actually trying to make a sale. And it's vital, isn't it? Because you need to give the other person space to think and consider and come to their own conclusions a lot of the time. Yes, you need to let them steer in the tension, in a very specific tension that your solution solves. And um, so that's one thing, the, the sales technique. Record it, give it to people who are willing to give you feedback and are precise enough in observation so that they can give you strong feedback. And um, Or get a coach who can give you feedback. This is really important. And, and imagine 70%, 17% uh, more conversion. That's, that's direct value right there. Mm. That's one thing. The other thing is from your current relationships. So go through your CRM and uh, call the clients of last year. Hey, how are you doing? I'm curious. Call the clients of this year, earlier this year. Ask both of these categories. Hey, you know what I am doing. Do you know somebody who needs this? These are three examples <laughs> of things you can do. It's very simple. These are yeah. three examples of things you can do. And we have a list of 17 things that it's a checklist that people um, need to do when they work mm. with us. They get this checklist and the first two weeks, that's that's what they do. And and that thing. But I think I think that like what, what you've sort of just gone through there is is an example. Again, it's 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 a simplistic it's a simple way of doing things and a simple way of looking at it. And maybe somebody when they hear, right, I'm going to double revenue in 90 days, they're expecting a complicated process or something like that. Whereas actually, maybe they're now thinking, well, hang on, that just sounds too simple. But if you're thinking that, just ask yourself, when was the last time you did everything that Simon just said? I don't know. I don't have stats, but I would hazard a guess that 80 to 90% of people haven't done that in at least the last month. Exactly. And I think that, you know, I think, I think it's, it's, it's a testament to having 20 years of experience and distilling it down into simplicity because that's where expertise lies. I really do think that. And I think that being able to really find what works and just get rid of everything that doesn't, you know, focus on the things that move the needle, focus on the things that are going to be the biggest leverage points in your business. And really what you described there is it's 
it's looking and finding the hidden assets. It's finding the things that you already have in your business that you might not actually be aware of that you have and really pulling them because they're the things that can actually create that revenue growth in a shorter amount of time than you might necessarily have actually thought possible. So uh, yeah, I just wanted to sort of um, frame that a little bit because I love it. I mean, I'm all about simplicity. I'm all about getting to the heart of what works and just getting rid of everything else because Mr. ADHD boy here will get distracted by every single shiny object, but actually focusing on the title, on the things that work, that's the most important thing. Most of us, most of us entrepreneurs, we are excited and, um, and, and we like that excitement and we see opportunities everywhere. So we tend to start too many things at once before the others are completed. And you really just need a few processes really dialed in and improve them every week. And you can run a global company with just four hours per day if you focus on the important things. And in sales, the important things are really the conversations with the people you seek to serve right now when they want to talk. Absolutely. And I actually think this is a good point to go into today's virtual hot seat challenge. Hey, it's Adam. Now, just a quick one before we dive into today's virtual hot seat, because as the core philosophy behind the show is a rising tide lifts all ships, I'd love to invite you to come and hang out with me, my guests and other business owners and directors of established businesses with a track record of providing good, solid service and a positive reputation in their market inside the B2B Growth Think Tank community, where we all connect, solve problems and help each other grow more profitable businesses. It's free to join, so come along, join us at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash think tank group. I look forward to welcoming you, but first, let's get to today's virtual hot seat. Totally not um, manufactured in any way, but I actually think that this challenge is going to be a good sort of um, talking point around your step two here, because... What this isn't, for those that haven't listened before, um, the virtual hot seat is where we have a listener that sent in a challenge or a question um, around something that's going on in their business that they're lo either looking to solve or it's an opportunity that they're looking to maximize. So today's virtual hot seat question and challenge is, my challenge is that as a digital agency, we have a menu of things that we can do for clients. And this means that everything that we do is customized to each client. And this makes both the sales cycle and the delivery of services longer and unpredictable. And it also means that we're often price compared against other agencies, we're resource heavy and our margins are tight, which means it's a real challenge to scale. So how do you create a repeatable and scalable service that clients want to buy, pay a premium for and gets them results? So, I mean, to be honest, some of that I think we've already covered um, in, in the conversation. But thinking about things from sort of point two that you make like first of all what's the what, what comes to mind when you hear a challenge like that this is the typical challenge of every professional service every agency has this problem first thing is to really dial in your your target audience so who are you here to serve we have 10 questions that we ask and it's, it's, it starts with demographic, right? Like really their age and, and gender, etc. And then we go more specific 
what keeps them awake at night what do they want to move forward what what do they want to avoid what do they hate what do they love uh, and um, and then you really understand one avatar you have one avatar in front of you and every email that you write you write to this person like i see the person our avatar is 39 is male i see this person uh when whenever i do a short facebook live i talk to that avatar whenever i write an email i talk to that avatar i don't have 1000 clients i have one client thousand times so the first thing is to focus really on who you serve and that's the hardest part because they think, oh, if I focus too much, I lose a ton of revenue. It's not true. Everyone hates it. <laughs> Everyone hates having to do it. Uh, yeah. You know, just, just the idea of it, first of all, and then the actual exercise of really getting to understand that that client. And people will tend to maybe do some guessing and all the rest of it, whereas actually all you need to do is go and find that client that you've already served that fits the model that you want to move, you know, serve moving forward. And talk to them, ask them questions. You know, you, you don't necessarily have to do this in a bubble and actually figure this out yourself. Just go out and talk to your clients. Like that's the best way to do it. Exactly. So he runs already a digital agency. They have already clients. It's just the exercise of pick your favorite. And right now it's more of a gut feeling why they are your favorite. But when you do this exercise, you will find out the criteria that makes them your favorite client. And some of them are intangibles, but try to find them out. It's the way they approach the project. So find these things out and write them down. Now you have done step one. Step two is to package the offer. Imagine it's in a shop and it's it's a product. And so how does it look like? What's the package? What 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 does it say up here? And if if you take it in your hands. Uh, what's the weight of it? So try to get into, try to make the intangible offer a tangible offer. That's why we say we double your revenue in 90 days. Because something very intangible, like we understand where your team is and aligned operation sales and marketing, that's very intangible. Mm. But if you say 90 days, double revenue, that becomes tangible. So the same. Well, that's the power of an offer, isn't it? And you don't get to that, first of all, until you've done that first step, which is understand your ideal client. But second of all, you need to be able to understand that client but in, in the context of what problem are they trying to solve and what result do they want without that problem? Because that's when you can craft that offer. That's when you can say double your revenue in 90 days guaranteed. Now, that might not be what this person's end client wants. It could be something different but it's always an outcome focused promise that makes up your offer it's not a service you're not selling a service you're selling the transformation you're selling that journey from point a to point b or you're selling the um the understanding that where you are now compared with where you want to be there's a gap and you fill that gap and that's what you do how do you communicate that exactly and so time is 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 important. For example, 90 days, 75 days, 48 days, 21 days. I, I have just embarked in a mental toughness challenge and mental toughness is something 
really intangible, but they, they have done a great job of packaging it. They said 75 days and then you, your mental toughness is, is on top. 75 and this 75 has made it easy for me just to click and say, okay, let's go. And I started. Yeah, there's a start point and there's an end point and it's kind of like, right. Okay. I've, it's almost like you're giving someone an out afterwards as well in a weird way. It's like, I don't necessarily want to be tied in, you know, certainly if you're uh, a, well, thinking back to maybe my sort of twenties and all the rest of it, male fear of commitment, all the rest of it, right. I'm now married. So I got over it, but it's kind of like people don't necessarily want to be tied in. Like, and that's what we were sort of talking about earlier. A lot of people will go straight for their big service, their retainer services or whatever you may well call it. And it's kind of like, well, I'm tied in here. So how can you put a time limit on it and actually say to someone, look, we get you this result in this amount of time. And then you can kind of decide what you want to do after that. But we will solve this one problem for you. And I think there is also as an additional part of it. So one part is you make the intangible tangible and you give this freedom. Okay. It's over after that period. The second part is you immediately install trust in me because if you know exactly the days that you take, that it takes to get to that results, that means you've done it hundred times because Mm. if you have no idea and if, if you're doing this for the third time, you cannot comfortably, I will feel that you do not feel comfortable with that package. So you will say it's 75 days, but I, I, I just don't, I just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Because when you get to the packaging stage, then you means you really know what you're doing. If you say mm-hmm. in 21 days, I'm going to lose three kilograms, that is very specific. And uh, that means that you have done your homework especially if you tie it to a guarantee because Mm. otherwise you you can tell me anything, but do you have skin in the game? What happens if we don't reach them? That's why we have a guarantee because both sides need to have skin in the game. This is something Mm. that this digital agency maybe also might be considering. Digital agencies sometimes do done for you work instead of done with you. I think this is a big mistake. Whatever you are doing, it's usually the worst option just to do work for somebody. It's usually a much better idea to do work with somebody. So, hey, we are team now. Okay, Mm. you have bought my services so that you can reduce your monthly Microsoft cloud expenses. Okay. We are a team now. I Mm. will make sure that your expenses go down and stay down. We are team. And so I will not charge from you 2,500 pounds. I will charge 15% of every saving that you do every month because we are Mm. a team now. I know we are going to bring you to success. And that's why I trust that 15% of that success is our fee. And it's, it's, it's I, I think that it is so, I, I'm surprised it's so rare, but then maybe I'm not. 
because maybe people haven't done this work to be able to systemize their fulfillment, their delivery to the point where they can guarantee that result. And maybe that's a, a weakness in, in, in a lot of the way that things are done. I don't know. But if you can do that and you can guarantee it, you are then, as you say, you're on the team, you're a partner, you're a growth partner, you're a whatever it is partner, and you are sitting on the same side of the table and you're sharing both the risks and the reward of doing business because that's reality. There is risk and reward in all business. And if you can be the person that comes in and says, I see you, I understand your problem. We have a process that has been proven and trodden well before by others just like you, i.e. the the ideal client that you've done the work to actually identify first. And we guarantee it because we know if you fit this criteria, we can achieve this result. It's kind of a no-brainer. Like that's the power of an offer. Absolutely. And now you have packaged the offer. Now we go to the price. So try to find time, kilogram, uh, something really tangible to make the intangible more more tangible. The next thing is the price. Price is a bit harder. Price is, is actually quite a science to get it right. But for a small agency, there is one thing that works quite well. It's a structured process we have learned from the Y Combinator in, in the US, which uh, has a ton of experience in helping startups find the right price. And that is you increase your price by 5% with every new user. 5% increase with every new user until you hit the sweet spot, which is around 40% of uh, lost closes. Mm. And um, you don't have to have a lot of emotions in there. It's a very numerical thing. You just check the numbers and you find your max price. For a while, Mm. that will be the best price you can achieve. But then you have still the problem that he is mentioning that he gets compared against other agencies. You have to swim out of that problem. Um, And that means you have to go from a red ocean to a blue ocean. You have to swim out of the comparability. In order to do that, you have to put another 30 minutes of work in. And in these 30 minutes, you compare the alternatives your client can have. So if they don't pick your solution, what else can they do? And we have a structured way that I can share with your audience of Mm. how we go through it. And 30 minutes later, you have found your uniqueness. Now with Mm. that uniqueness, you refine the message. And now when somebody compares you, they don't compare you against other agencies. They compare you against what else they can do Mm. because you have found your uniqueness. Mm. And that is incredible. Like that whole piece is so important because it's very difficult to tell the difference from somebody on the outside of the industry. It doesn't matter whether you're a digital agency. It doesn't matter whether you're an advisor of, you know, financial advisor. It doesn't matter whatever it is you do. They don't understand the blood, sweat and tears. It's gone into qualify to get the, un, you know, the, the qualifications, the experience and all the rest of it. You're just one of a number of people that say they can do what you can do. Yeah. That's why coming up with this value proposition, uh, unique selling proposition, whatever term people want to attribute to it, it's vital. 
And it's the piece that I don't think a lot of people spend enough time on because it's this piece alone that can double your revenue. Like almost forget some of the other stuff. If you can get this right, like that value proposition to put yourself in a category of one allows you to increase prices. It helps to improve the close rate of sales conversations because people are already kind of like, yeah, this makes sense. I don't even, you know, you had me at hello, Jerry Maguire, you know, that kind of thing. It's so important, but we all want to go down the shiny route. We all want to go and do the lead gen or, you know, Facebook ads or whatever it may well be at this, you know, at this particular moment in time. So, I mean, I, I think that has been incredibly valuable, like just the insight into the thinking. And, and I hope that if nothing else, that, that causes this person to sort of think, right, how can I think about this problem in, an, in a new way? And how can I take some of the steps that, that, that Simon's just sort of gone through there and, and really sort of understand? Because, yes, that's I think the offer is the important thing. Understanding the client, understanding the problem, designing the solution to get the result. Like that is that is. 90% of your problem solved when you've got there. The other thing then comes into the scalability side of things and, um, you know, the, the repeatability of, of all the rest of it. And, and I know that's something that you've managed to solve. And it's what you've done with the certified coaches side of things of the business, isn't it? And you've scaled the unscalable by bringing people into your methodology. So, I'd love you to just sort of go through how that works because that will also give a great example for maybe other people that are in a similar situation. Sure, we think everything is scalable actually if if you put in if you put in the right work. The the equalizer example, uh, people can really download it if they want at strategiesprince.com/equalizer. It's half an hour. It's exactly what we do as a team every month to refine our uniqueness. And uh, the, when you have your uniqueness, it, it really takes 30 minutes per month. Then you spend more where you're winning and you spend less where you are not winning. That's the dynamic budgeting every month. Put more investments into where you are winning against your competitors and cut costs where you are not winning. By doing that, you will be more and more and more and more incomparable from month to month. And one example is uh, a designer. Designers are all com comparable. Uh, but if you do your things right, you are not comparable as, as a designer. Imagine calling Stefan Sagmeister in New York and saying, I want you to do my website. In that conversation, at no moment in time, you will compare him to other people doing websites because he has done the work more than half an hour to carve out his uniqueness. And so the first time you see his work, you know automatically what he stands for. It's like Picasso. It, it, they, they have as an agency, of course, he doesn't do it anymore. He has scaled the work. He he's just the idea person now and the, the spokesperson. But every single designer that you get, if you work with his team, will exactly live and breathe this idea and implement exactly the impact that you want from a Stefan Sagmeister work. And he will never be on the project, but you will always get the impact that you wanted in the first place. Mm. 
That's one example. And we do it with half an hour of the equalizer. Well, I'm certainly going to get my wife to have a look at this exercise because she's a designer. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to get her to sort of like follow through on that one because that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely example. And I did the same thing. Now your question is how did, how did we scale? I did the same thing. First, I was doing the work, understanding the client. As you said, 90% is understanding the client and understanding what that one little superpower is that you have. And then really cutting away everything else because then that little superpower can spread and, and become a huge superpower if you give it enough room. So what I did, I fired myself from operations. As soon as we had 60 clients that gave me a super fan Google review, that was my limit. I said, I want 60 super fans Google reviews. Mm. Then I'm out <laughs> because then I know <laughs> this thing is working. Yeah. And I was counting every single one every day. And I was like, oh, 35, we're getting there. It took me years. But then when exactly 60th review, super fan, I said, all right, I'm fired. I, mm. I booked a coach, a business coach, and uh, they helped me fire myself from my own operations. That was two and a half years ago. And now I have created a scalable model. So people come in, they were the, the head of head of Google, sales head of Coca-Cola. They are teaching in California, they are teaching how to run companies. They have scaled Uber Eats. They are really, really good entrepreneurs in the first place. They come into our team of Avengers and we teach them this methodology to, mm. to raise 25, 25, 25%. And they get it quite quickly because they understand scaling businesses and then they mm. make magic happen. And every Monday we come together and we discuss all clients. And once a month, uh, that's called the <laughs> sales ninja round. Once a month I teach them on how to rock their country because they are in different countries in the world and it's a franchise system. So I help mm. them really dominate also their market and enter more markets. And that's the sales ninja round once a month. Mm. Well, I mean, that makes, I mean, that's a great example. And, and, and I'm, I'm glad that I sort of um, got to cover that because sometimes we all just think there's only one way to scale a business and that's to hire more staff, take on more overhead. You know, that's, that sort of um, impacts what this person was also talking about, the margin issue and all that kind of stuff. Whereas actually, when you've done the work that you were talking about in terms of knowing your ideal client, understanding the problem, working out what the result is, and then working on your process for delivering that result, that becomes a repeatable process. That becomes a methodology. That is an IP that you can then use to bring other people on board. If you want to do the whole hiring and stuff, that's fine. You've got your onboarding process and how to train people, but there's another way. I mean, you know, you've licensed your IP to these people that are already going out and doing great things. And it's just adding another quiver to their bow. And you're able to scale what's in your head because you've taken the time to actually process it to put the steps down and then put it in a way that actually is easy to understand. It's simple to execute for people that actually go through the process of learning it. Yeah. And it's replicable. The first step is 
basically creating an online course. Create an online course about what you do, like you would do it for a client, but you are doing it for your colleagues. Mm. And then break, break the rules a little bit. So I, I didn't learn this. Uh, and uh, I don't even know where to learn how to run a franchise business. I don't even know if you can learn it anyway, uh, anywhere, like at the Franchise Academy or something like that. I don't know. I stumbled <laughs> into this model just by solving problems. So one problem was I don't want to have employees for many, many reasons. First, I only invest in models that have a low downside and a huge upside because mm. otherwise it's it's not a smart investment and having employees is not a smart investment because when you have months with less sales you are still paying them full and when you need to scale it's too slow. It's not scalable. You cannot hire 200 people in one week. It's impossible. Mm. So it's far yeah, too absolutely. slow. So you don't have the downside and you don't have the upside. So I don't do that. It's same thing with investments. I always look at the downside. Is the downside really minimal and is the upside infinite? Mm. That's, that's how I do think about investing anything time money and it also it, it takes such a long time to get a return on investment on a on a hire because a lot of the time it comes with recruitment fees and it comes with overhead and it comes with equipment and all the rest of it you need to sort of obviously invest in but this is a great you know for for anyone that's sort of um you know maybe discovering this as an idea i mean just go and check out what what simon does um just go and check out the website look at strategiesprints.com and you've mentioned the equalizer tool as well that um is is there that you can get and we'll put all the links in the description but there's also an entire page there with some of simon's tools that we didn't even get to get into and and that gives an insight into how he's systemized and made his service business scalable because these are all blueprints for want of a better word they are tools that he gives to his coaches that he's developed over time he's you know, giving away very generously a number of them on the website but it'll give you an insight into how to maybe think about doing this for yourself if that is where you're looking to go if you're looking to scale the business and do it in a way that is repeatable and also that has less of a downside risk than maybe what people think is the traditional way of doing it. So, I mean, Simon, we are, honestly, I could talk for hours and hours. This is, this has been so much fun, but I know that uh, you have to, uh, you have to get off. So um, Simon, I mentioned strategy, uh, strategy sprints.com and I still can't say it um, in, <laughs> it's the SS. It's like the red lorry, yellow lorry. Can't do it anyway. <laughs> so it's strategy sprints.com. Um, you also have a podcast there as well, which is the Strategy Sprints podcast. Um, anywhere else that people can connect with you if they've enjoyed hearing what you've had to say? And let's face it, who doesn't? Who wouldn't? <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram, Strategy Sprints, and we have a Facebook group, which is a private Facebook group. But if you say you come from Aram, I will let you in. And it's called Entrepreneurship in Sprints. Awesome. Well, I, I hope that everybody listening goes and checks um, all of that stuff out. And uh, funny enough, um, I didn't realize you had a group until um, a little bit before this uh, interview started and I just applied. So I might see you in there as well. So oh, yeah. there we go. Oh, yeah. We'll have fun. 
Awesome. So Simon, this has been absolutely awesome. And um, I hope people go and check out what you do and um, yeah, double their revenue in 90 days with you. But um, until they do that, I just want to wish you an awesome rest of your day and speak to you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Adam. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found it valuable. I hope you got some great ideas that you can take away and apply to your business to help you grow. If you did, please share it with somebody else that might also find this valuable because they will thank you for it. Also, to let you know that I have a podcast gift page where I put a lot of resources that I love to share with my listeners. You can find the links to join the Facebook community there and you can get my book, the Conversational Relationship Marketing and the audiobook version all for free, plus a number of other resources I'll be adding over time on that page. So make sure you head there to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift and you can help yourself to the things that make most sense to you and if you have enjoyed the show please make sure you're subscribed you'll get updated as the new episodes come out and finally last favor please consider giving the show your honest rating and review on apple podcasts i read every single one they mean the world for me i love hearing from my listeners and it does help others find the show as well so if you want to go and do that i'd really appreciate it but until next time have an awesome day and we'll speak soon